Hello, welcome to Steedcast. We are back again from the dead. Um, this week's or this month's episode, I should say, is another weird internet episode uh, where we'll be covering uh, the endless corridors of the internet, Alex Jones, the roof man, and some uh, questionable YouTube videos as well. So with me today, I have myself, Richard, we have Sean, Tom, and Gareth. And uh, how are you chaps doing? Not bad, and looks like Sean's enjoying his dinner over there. He is, but yeah. I'm just on Angry my lunch boy. break. Yeah, inside this uh, lovely courtroom, which is um, <laughs> relevant <laughs> to my... What, uh, what are you being done for, <laughs> son? Um, spreading misinformation and lies. Classic. for millions, I heard. Billions, nearly $1 billion. We'll get to that. I'm getting ahead of myself. But yeah, we come back with a weird internet. Weird internet is um, arguably our favourite episode of the, the season every time it rolls around just because of the random nature of it um, if you've never uh, listened to or watched another weird internet that we've done. Um, so I'm going to spin it off to Gareth. Uh, you've got some stuff on some, I guess, irritable internet stars and trends and a bit of history as well on it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, reaction videos, um, something that... that... Uh, triggers me um, quite often, as, as you know. Um, especially in the past few days, um, obviously with with the return of uh, Blink-182 as well. There's been uh, a, a plethora, shall we say, of reaction videos. For example, um, you know, here's the music video. I'm going to watch the music video. Uh, pretend like I've never seen it before. Um, every few seconds, I'm going to pause it and I'm going to talk about it and, and tell you what's happening. Absolute uh, uh, flood of these type of videos, everything from vocal coach reacts, bass player reacts, guitarist reacts, drummer reacts, you name it, they react into it. Now this is a in my in my opinion a very sloppy and lazy form of content yeah. creation and certainly totally one agree. that I can't personally get behind. So one of the questions that um, I'm gonna ask amongst ourselves and to our general audience is how did we get here? How did we get to <laughs> reaction videos as we know today? And where did things go ever so slightly wrong in terms of the word react? Now, I'll bring you back a little bit further into the loop. What can you guys uh, remember in terms of reaction videos? I'll tell, I'll tell you what I can remember. Let's talk back to, let's talk back to pre-YouTube even. Uh, you would have, for example, um, a video of a, a car traveling along a peaceful scenery. You think, oh, this is nice. This is, this is a nice ambience. All of a sudden, you're presented with a scary image, aren't you? Flashing towards the screen. Now, that was a reaction. That was a gen genuine reaction. You see, what I mean, there was there was even um, there was even a, a popular video which I believe was sort of um, uh, stemmed off from a Saturday Night Live skit of the guy punching through the screen. You remember that one? Oh shit! Well? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I do. That I do remember that. Was the scary maze? Was that the scary maze? Scary maze, yeah. Ah, no, the scary maze was, was the other dog. reaction video yeah. from that time. Another, uh, yeah. another one was uh, two girls, one cup. That was actually oh, a couple of words in my mouth. Yeah. This, 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 this is where. As long as this, is where, words. <laughs> this is where I believe. I personally believe this is where the original form of reaction video was born. Two girls, one cup. I'm not sure if you'd agree with me on that, but I believe that was the original reaction video. Um. And in, in a sense, people would watch the video, they'd film a friend or loved one, family member, etc. They'd film a genuine reaction to somebody seeing uh, Two Girls, One Cup for the first time. Um, so, I mean, that was, in my eyes, um, the first sort of wave of I can't of imagine showing a family videos. member that, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> well, no. But not, <laughs> oh, Nan! Uh, <laughs> oh, Nan, watch uh, this video. <laughs> yeah, but that was, that was the birth as far as I'm concerned, of the reaction video, especially the first wave of reaction videos. <laughs> but we've seemed to got a little lost along the way somewhere in in terms of reaction videos and reaction video creators, whatever you want to call them. We seem to got a little bit lost somewhere. And now everybody seems to want a piece of the pie, so to speak, um, in terms of um, reacting. I mean, I could react to something right now, for example, um, it's easy. It's lazy. It's sloppy. Um, that's that's my take on it. Where do you? I mean, where do you stand on, on the current uh, current waiver of reaction videos? Are there any particular 
uh, things you've seen popping up that have sort of irritated you, stuff like that. I've mentioned, obviously, vocal coach reacts and things like that. Is this a bit of comedy in itself? Is this a sketch? Because essentially you're just reacting to reaction videos. Well, not, not particularly, oh, no. Oh, but um, Oh, the irony. <laughs> yeah, not, not particularly, no. But, I mean... We are the universe reacting it to is reac Reaction videos seems to be like about 90% of what I see. It's either that or the sort of... Um, Hey guys, do you want to go to the mall? Yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tag along, no problem. You've got, you know, you've got the, the, <laughs> the, uh, the sing, sing, single person sort of acting with themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, really. I mean, that was that was sort of popularised in the sort of early YouTube days as well. You'd have like people like originally you'd have like Shane Dawson, people like that would sort of do it. Maybe maybe they'd uh, put a wig on or something. The second part of the character, but I mean, the birth of TikTok. That's that's sort of seen that creep back in. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, for, that's, for that's, me, that's all I've got to say in the matter, really. For, for me, with, um, with reaction videos, I actually uh, I put out a tweet um, not too long ago that said that uh, reaction videos are the lowest form of content creation. And I firmly, I firmly believe that. Yeah, screen dump. Uh, yeah. I firmly believe that uh, because it is just lazy. And you see, like, fair enough, reacting to something brand new to see a genuine reaction or chuck in like ancient technology in front of clueless kids that was that's kind of like an early example of early day reacts yeah, yeah, yeah. which is fair enough because it's kind of interesting to see kids be completely clueless about like yeah, a I was, I was or something gonna, i was gonna say i left that out as well obviously elders yeah. react kids react and stuff but that when, was a sort of maybe yeah. that's where things started to change after that perhaps though it's, it's um, yeah it's, it's when like you, you see people who are reacting to like um I don't know, Blink-182, all the small things. And you think, that song has been played to death yeah. for the yeah. last 20 years. There's yeah. no way you've gone your whole life without hearing that somewhere. That annoys me. because, And then it's like the over-top reaction that they get from it, you know, and yeah. and all this stuff. You're like, oh, God, come on. It's, yeah, I just, I don't um, agree. With I it. mean, <laughs> my, 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 my take on it is you've, you've got people reacting to, to 30, 40-year-old pieces of media that are household names, Things that everybody has yeah. as, as seen and all of a sudden somebody will make a reaction video to it. Um, I, I disagree completely. I love reaction videos. Oh, yeah? I do. I, in regards to the, the lowest form of media, I think it's got to be like those regurgitated like news pieces that like... Oh, like There's Looper like, and stuff like that. Yeah, Looper. This like film and TV and I stuff. Like, and you got like metal websites yeah. and stuff to it, and it's just like I can agree three minute information video, which has no information in it. It's complete bullshit. It's total. And I guess they like stuff popular, like TMZ yeah. and stuff is the main like Hollywood kind of gossip shit. Oh, I, like I see that a lot in like, like the. Good yeah. bit. Yeah. I see that a lot in the uh, in the wrestling world. I see a lot of that as well. There's just like articles that lead nowhere essentially they tell yeah, you it's nothing. like oh wrestler yeah. x said this <gasps> three minute video it actually tells you absolutely nothing and it's just like well what yeah. the hell did i watch that it's got like four million views yeah. <laughs> if anyone's on Reddit yeah, I, and they hate this shit there's a sub called saved you a click which somebody reads uh, the article and they like post like a short synopsis saves you a bunch of time get on it they owe me five and them. yeah I, I i love reaction videos i watch them quite a lot because they keep popping up in my feed because I've watched reaction videos like I know exactly the type of shit you're talking about like, there's no way if you're 30 or under or over there's no way you've gone through this life and have not heard Blink-182 so you're like you're like you're lying it's just a fucking it's fake right and there's other things in which obviously exactly. it is just lowest common denominator just bullshit you know videos and stuff and it is like you said it's easy it's a concept that works someone's done it and now everybody's doing it exactly do, everyone's like, piece of the pie there are some good ones I like, got there's a vocal coach um, ones that I watch. There's one vocal coach in particular. I can't remember the name of the channel off the top of my head. They're great because like they stop everything when they they actually explain like in depth about what's going on, stuff like that. So another ones I really like as well as Christians react to, like oh the most <laughs> intense like metal stuff. There's these these two codes. I can't remember what they called, but they did all the Cradle of Filth stuff, and they were like proper analyzing the videos, like the the music and stuff. Oh, we took like 45 minute videos about like. Oh, I don't know, just about everything. And, and there's like, I watched one recently when um, uh, a pastor and his son listened to the song Daddy by Korn, which is about the singer from Korn being like raped as a child. And it's just like, it's the most awkward thing ever, man. It's just 20 minutes of like pure cringe. And I, you know, not to, not to take away from the seriousness of that song, but like, yeah, I mean, I do watch them quite often and I find them quite, you know, quite interesting to watch. 
But um, I don't hate them as much. I know, I know, I know why you don't like them, but I don't hate them as much as uh, you guys do. So like, I think like with the reaction, there's there's a guy who I watch. He's a, a former music producer, Rick Beato. I'm he aware of him. Yeah. He, he does something similar. He doesn't like it's not him hearing the song for the first time, but he sort of breaks down tracks like like uh, instrument by instrument, basically. Yeah. This is exactly um, what I was talking about with our vocal coach. That's exactly what happens. Obviously, those videos are incredibly interesting. You know, and there's little bits in in songs that I never even knew were there. You know, just like a synth in the background somewhere, and I'm thinking, "There's a synth in the background of that." Wasn't it one in What's Made Again or something? Like yeah, that? It is, yeah, yeah. It yeah, plays, yeah, it yeah, plays yeah, the same yeah. melody as the guitar. It's that's just, right. it's yeah. just, but you don't hear it, but it fills it out. When you take it out, you notice it. It's, it's that's so a very strange. common yeah. practice. That is, it is, it, to it like is. Yeah, boost like a chorus or whatever. It's to just yeah, emphasize a certain yeah, yeah. melody or whatever. Yeah, it's so, very popular in pop punk. That that so that. Uh, Synth adding a synth to a main guitar line. It's very popular in pop punk. Dive loot. So there we go. So I watched the Scottish man Brian Brian Limond quite a bit, and he does like you know he posts like clips of reaction videos or him reacting to stuff on YouTube and things. But he just kind of shits on it. Is what you hate about reaction videos the fake kind of forcing yeah. themselves to enjoy it, or is it like not giving a genuine opinion, or is it reaction videos themselves? I think I think it's the fakery with it a lot of the time. I really yeah. do. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Over the top reaction to something as well. Go let's, let's talk about Lemmy though, Tom. Let's talk about Lemmy because that's that's a whole different whole different thing altogether. What uh, Lemmy's doing? Le- what? What? Twitch streaming? <laughs> but no, it's often it's often um, it's often reactions. For example. Um, James, James Corden. James fucking Corden. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. James I, Corden. I love it. I love. I love his passionate hatred towards James Corden. It's brilliant. Oh, he's fire. He's got all red in the yeah. face. No, James Corden is a fucking battle mind, to be fair. You know, he's he he's the embodiment of the reaction videos, James Gordon is. Um, but, there's um, there's a, a good YouTube channel called Sunny V two who actually does a video on James Corden and why he's so hated. Which is pretty good. There's, there's a yeah. but that's that. I, I watched that earlier, actually. It was, it was very good. <laughs> I watched one of them on Brendan Schwab. Um, Do you know Schwab? Schwab. Schwab. Yeah. He's in the Joe Rogan, was in the Joe Rogan clique, but he had a massive uh, downfall. Was a UFC fighter, gone gone comedian, but he just tanked them both. Like, oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a funny story, that is, if you want to get into it. It's not wine, by the way. It's squash, if anyone's wondering. That's a very posh-looking squash, man. Yeah. It's from M&S. Oh, yeah, you've got you've got, you. you've got things like Limmy, uh, Justin Hawkins sort of does quite a good, and that's that's sort of yeah, that's sort of like a reaction type of thing, isn't it? Justin but, Hawkins has no excuse to be going around judging everyone's music. I've seen him ripping into like bands it's and stuff. And I'm like, pretty popular one that is. <laughs> you cannot be like you know. I guess because he you know he's obviously not taking it super seriously, is he? But you know, no. I'm just like, come on, man. A lot of the, a lot of the stuff he does is is very complimentary though. Um, and some of them have got like a clickbaity sort of yes. title to it. Very but when you watch it, title. he's extremely complimentary, you know, towards it. So, um, yeah. It's, that reminds me of one... Steve-O's podcast. He's always like, the soundbites of that are yeah. always like him slagging people off for now. And you actually listen to like the full yes, episode. It, yeah. They <laughs> rip on Bam Margera in that cast. But fucking <laughs> if he ever watches it, man. Oh, Christ. But people, yeah, people the love negativity, don't they? Yeah, the money. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pe- people flock to negativity, so it's, negativity that's why sells. you get those clickbait titles. Is yeah, negativity sells. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Of it, like. And Justin Hawkins obviously knows what he's doing there. Obviously, like. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's all I wanted to say. Really, on reaction videos, if no one's really got anything to sort of uh, add to ever, but. Um, so it's yeah. essentially the falseness. Does that come like? The, the, obviously, though, with YouTube and all that, that does come outside of that as well. Like, people got to put up. What I think is like a YouTube front these days. Yeah. You know, if you face the match, you fucked kind of thing, really, uh, at the end of the day, you know. Well, it's just entertainment oh, industry, isn't that's it? That's really? the biz. That's what we in showbiz. If you face don't fit. Face don't fit. People you know? say it all the time in like offices and clicks, and like, oh, if you face don't fit, it's like, I don't know. I've never heard that I've before. never heard that before. No, that's because your face fits, Rich. Because <laughs> your face fits. You're in. You you were in the in with the the click. Never had to stand <laughs> in an elevator. I didn't even silence. know it. 
I go into an elevator in my place of work, which shall remain nameless. I was wearing my Daggerfall t-shirt and I had my headset on, big headset like this. And I turned it off because I don't like getting to lift a music blasting in case people are trying to move around me and stuff. And it's packed. And these two people behind me said, what do you think he's listening to? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this should be interesting. And they were murmuring amongst themselves. And someone said, Sounds of the Shire by the fucking looks of his jacket. <laughs> God. I was like, what the fuck is the Sounds of the Shire? But, um, Sean, you have, uh, your your topic is on Alex <laughs> Jones and the the latest developments on, on him, which have been uh, mind-boggling, really. They have been mind-boggling. Um. So I don't follow Alex Jones. We spoke about him a lot before uh, in the cast, in the David Dyke stuff, and we've had like standalone segments and stuff on him. Um, in the earlier Weird Internet, it's funny enough, going back to Weird Internet 1, I think. Um, but recently, as I'm sure you've probably heard, because he was like proper mainstream news, he was sued. Um, or I don't think he was, was he sued, but he, was, he went to court for damages about all the shit he was saying about the Sandy Hook being uh, fake and all the kids were like, actors and shit all the parents were actors and nothing really happened blah 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 blah. anyway he's been um he has to pay like 930 million which is basically a billion in, in dollars um in damages which is um insane really that kind of ruling like so it's like i mean obviously i don't care about alex jones and his money right but what i thought it'd be best to bring this up because we spoke a lot about conspiracy conspiracy theorists in the past and a lot of our earlier episodes did actually center on conspiracy theories like flat earth and so on so is this a landmark case in the tide turning on like what kind of precedent does this set i know this is an extreme case because obviously there's a lot of hurt people involved if he's saying that this didn't happen he's like basically denying that happened he's setting his fans on these people and saying like this is fake none of these people's grief is real but what kind of precedent does this set if people like David Icke or Alex Jones or any other conspiracy theorist, as it were, could possibly pros- possibly be prosecuted or fined for saying things which aren't true? Like the state of Israel versus David Icke or something. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't know. What, what do you guys, first off, nice easy question. What do you guys make of all this? Because like, we've, we've obviously talked a lot about Alex Jones in the past. Where you know he's just now he's back in like bang right in the mainstream media with all of this. He's at a net worth of minus nine hundred million. Like <laughs> <laughs> I can't even wrap my head around that. But um, I don't know. It depends on so many things. Like this, uh, like Alex Jones. He's he's a character, and he, there was only one of him, I suppose. Um, I. Uh, I think the people that follow him religiously and take him seriously, for there to be people that are doing that, that is worrying. And the reason that he was sued and all that's so bad, I suppose, is because his followers were sending death threats and things. And the thing that is on my mind with stuff like that is, should somebody be held accountable for what their followers do? Like uh, Donald Trump, the, what is it, January, the uh, capital... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is an almost identical case to that, isn't it? Realistically. Don't, like, don't like Donald Trump, but I don't think he should be held accountable for what his his followers, whatever, do. Like, but I guess it's the proof of insight in it that, like, you are the catalyst. The you are the reason that it happened, essentially. But like Sean says, that does set a dangerous precedent for anything. If you accidentally start something, you know, by you know, if you have a huge following and you say something that was just, you know, a throwaway comment about something and then your, uh, like, most loyal fans take that as, uh, you know, a scripture, they'll just run with it and try and mow down various people or, or whatever. And it's, and you could, I guess, for your comments, get caught up in it because of that. But I think the Alex Jones thing, though, he, he really took it, say he took it too far he didn't need to take it anywhere but he did and like (laughs) you know um but yeah he just he kept going on and on and on and on about it he didn't need to that's one of the reasons i was thinking like um like he's he's like the opposition you know he's like saying all these crazy outlandish shit to move and then filtering in one or two kind of true things 
or saying the true things in such an outlandish way that people just won't believe them full stop. For example, the human pig hybrids is true. Google it. Is true. It's just he kind of said it in such a way that people just didn't understand it. They couldn't comprehend it. All it is is cell. Um, ah, shit. What is it? Fucking cell therapy. What's that, what's that shit called? I'm not sure what you mean. Sorry. I, I don't know. Ah, uh, cell research, man. I'll have a look in a bit. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, he's like, he just puts things so over the top and everything that, that you're just not going to believe anything he says. And then somebody comes later than him and says it again. They're going to be like, oh, you, you've just been speaking to that Alex Jones guy. You're a nut. Like, he discredits anything he, he touches. Yeah. That, that happens Definitely. when you get caught out too many times, basically, on stuff. You get called out and it's proven wrong. And then. Or it's just not even proven wrong. It's just so out there that people just go, nah, you're full of shit. And that that then gets stuck to you. I guess like David Icke is the same in that regard. The, you know, his early days in the 80s and 90s uh, where he was, you know, shell suit wearing, 90s it was, was it? Shell suit wearing, uh, claiming to be the second coming and whatever. Uh, that kind of ruined his career going forward. I know. I, I need to defend him here because he's the son of the godhead, so chosen <laughs> by right, the dreamer, right, yeah, the yeah. the one true being that controls the fucking universe to send this message to Earth. He's not, not just a prophet, though. More or less, yeah. He's the, he's the prophet, and he had his early books because I've read two of them for some fucking reason. Is basically just <laughs> basically like end times. This will happen, then that will happen, then this will happen, and it was all in like nineteen ninety seven. It was supposed to happen, and it didn't happen. So and then it, and then he was just like lizards, lizards. <laughs> you know, a lot of the early stuff is stones and crystals, ley lines, healing yeah. the earth, all that weird hippy dippy shit. To be fair, that hints the turquoise suits and colours and all this um like or aura and aura shit. I just I don't know. Not 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 to defend David, <laughs> um, but there we go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, so have you heard of some of the crazy shit that's happened? in this trial that he's been because he's a character but it doesn't seem to there's no off switch i don't think he was like posting videos of like the judge and <laughs> the attorney that he was against like on fire and stuff like that was it it's all sorts of mad shit and he's like there's one of him like of the video being the verdict being read out on the info was like Alex Jones show and he's just like shouting alongside it. Hey, well, I'll get the money. Where's the money? Blah, 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 blah. And then there's like, um, there's videos of him refusing to apologize to parents that are in court, like opposite him for the things that he said. So I'm done with apologizing. Blah, blah, blah. And another thing, and this is, this is the biggest fuck up of them all is that one of the prosecutors or maybe the uh, lawyers of one of the families was, <laughs> he had Alex's Jones entire phone history accidentally sent to him by Alexis Jones's lawyer Ooh. so they had every single thing that he'd done with his phone for like the past three years which you can imagine like fuck knows what's on there um but also contradicted many of the statements he'd been given and many of the things he'd been saying to these like even the defense of the prosecution uh, prosecution I guess and um yeah it's, it's just been a shit show so a guy is just running rings around himself and um it's been ridiculous but he's definitely in a lot of money trouble because um <laughs> In the, the company he has that runs Infowars is is valued because he sells like loads of shit through Infowars, like all oh, like survival gear and, and all that. Yeah, a lot of that's just yeah. like lead in it and stuff. Apparently, <laughs> I, I don't know how true that is, but yeah, I, I wouldn't take anything Alex Jones gives God. me. But apparently, independent financial advisors or whatever value Alex Jones between one hundred thirty and two hundred thirty. I think million. So he has not really? got the money to pay this. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'm surprised I'm he's worth quite... that much. Yeah, same. I thought that. I was like, Jesus. He's just moved a 50 million uh, Austin, Texas mansion into his wife's name, which is <laughs> smart <laughs> thinking. But, um, you know, yeah, it, it's not going to be. It's, I'd, be in, I'd be interested to see how this. Uh, Imagine his wife this... lives in. Oh, God. I think is, he came from a rich family be... as well, mind. I think he started with the leg up, you know. I don't think he earned all that money on his own, is what I'm saying. I don't actually know much about him at all, really. I know, like, he's always he's been a conspiracy theorist into the like early '90s, really. Like, stormed that. What's that place with the big owl statue? Oh, well, uh, Grove. Meet, something. Bohemia's. Yeah, that, uh, Bohemia Grove. Yeah. Or something. I think but, so. Like, I... He, he went in there with a VHS camera and stuff, like you know, way back when. Um, so he's been doing this shit for a while. 
Um, I know you started raising fundraisers and stuff, you know, for dollars or, or crypto donations to, um, which he says are to fight this injustice rather than um, pay, off. pay off pay off the families, <laughs> which arguably deserve this uh, compensation um, for all the shit they've gone through. Um, but yeah, I I don't know that that's it. I've just going basically gone for the last week or so of drama around Alex Jones, but um, I don't don't know where this leaves him. I'll, I'll be interested to see. I suppose I context is a lot of it too. Uh, you you got like comedians and stuff. You know, if this is the precedent that's been set, then there's nothing to see any comedian can't get just pulled into court. Like, well, look at all the Jade Goody jokes, yeah. That kind of stuff Andrew Schultz is uh, chucking exactly. out lately. Exactly. <laughs> I can love Schultz. Great. I guess what, what I missed out on my initial <laughs> intro to this, what I missed out of it and what you guys have both picked up on is that, that if anybody else picks up on that and goes, yeah, that's truth, or yeah, this guy said that, I'm going to keep harassing you for it. Mm. And then it becomes, not just he said it, but you have received like IRL harassment, oversaid misinformation. I think, um, like you said, it's the incitement, isn't it? The, yeah. the element of incitement, which is possibly what uh, what's led it's- to all of this. It's like um, what if Frankie Boyle uh, had a rabid fan base that bombarded Rebecca Adlington telling her she looked like the back of a spoon, which kind of happened in a way, um, but like on a massive scale to the point where, you know, something bad could have really happened to her, seeing that all the time. Would, you know, if that had happened and then like her family sued Frankie Boyle, would they have grounds to... I don't know. I thought Jordan tried to sue him over the Harvey jokes, which are pretty bad, to be fair. But um, yeah. you know, I don't know. That don't, I don't think that went anywhere. I'll be honest. I think it's it's like the, the the cause of the joke. So say like the cause of the like the joke was the root cause of someone killing themselves, for example. Would they then have a case to sue? This goes back to like the nineties, where fans had killed themselves about over music and stuff i think him was was a, had a lot of bother with this over the song join me which was originally called join me in death in the original release and then it got re-released as join me but like yeah if you've got the um the actual album it was on razor blade romance again a bit dodgy <laughs> you know <laughs> if you've got that it's called join me in death on like on love said no it's got on love said no it's called join me it was called join me from that point onwards um i guess like the emo movement of the mid-2000s had a lot of that as well you know at what point uh, i think that's it like at what point do do you take responsibility for yourself and stop being influenced by these these external things is what it comes down to really i suppose yeah it's like violence in video games so where do you stop in this (laughs) you know they blame like doom for columbine and it's just like what they blame it on Marilyn. (laughs) <laughs> that's a really good song and a really good point as well actually that isn't it look where it's yeah. at now it's a tragedy middle America yeah Eminem was a very angry young man <laughs> now he's just rich and likes running guy can pump out albums mind fuck me he doesn't stop like you know he used to be a two three year gap between records and now he's just like I don't know if someone's shown him how to use Fruity Loops but he's just banging out the <laughs> album fucking Fruity Loops so like, M, now that you're rich, man, you can literally just make these in your house, tidy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, after that uh, bit of explosive information on Alex Jones's part, I think it's time to switch over to uh, the other end of the internet, um, in the endless corridors that Tom is going to take us through now. I'm pretty sure that anyone with a keen eye uh, knows where where mine's going, but. Um... I'm gonna gonna keep it under wraps for those uninitiated, I suppose. Uh, essentially, I've had documents sent through to me from a reliable source, uh, not Alex Jones, I assure you. Uh, I'm just gonna just gonna or his lawyer. Yeah, I'm just gonna kind of. I hope this finds you well. I do regret that this has to be sent, as the document will later reveal. The following is classified information that I don't believe even the government is privy. It involves the discovery of liminal spaces and the party's attempt to purposefully infiltrate, assess and use these spaces for their own gain. I only know what I know. What information other facilities or parties may have gathered is unknown at this time. Nobody wishes to publicly acknowledge the existence of this thing for possible fear of being outcast as insane. 
like an attempt to submit evidence of the paranormal or aliens, but this is real, as real as it can get, which is why the document is primed on a dead man's switch, in hopes that if something does happen to me, the evidence will leak. The name of the parties involved and the location have been redacted or left vague for privacy concerns. Firstly discovered following the disappearance of Redacted, an old war vet at their home, a rundown bungalow in suburban America, two officers, Redacted and Redacted, were called to the scene for a welfare check by a concerned neighbour. The officers, after knocking several times and checking the rest of the property for any signs of distress, entered the home at 10.37pm after noticing some damage at the rear door of the property that had joined onto the kitchen. By 10.45pm, they were reporting to dispatch about something unusual that they had found at the centre of the living room. The occupant of the house, redacted, was nowhere to be seen. The following is a transcribed report from the officers. Call opens. Dispatch, we've completed a preliminary sweep of the property as advised. No sign of the tenant. We're currently standing in the front room. I'm unsure how to report this, but there's something unusual here. Might want to send forensics to check it out. Over. Unusual how? Over. As we entered the living room, we proceeded with a standard sweep. When that was completed, officers moved into the center of the room. There's a heavy rug that looked like it was recently misplaced, about three feet wide by eight feet long. It was as though the corner had been surgically cut, but when we inspected it further, the rest of the rug was inside the floor. Clarification. Was there a hole in the living room floor? Over. Negative dispatch. Visually, there is no hole in the living room floor. Prior to inspecting the rug, we proceeded to the basement in response to the welfare check and didn't discover anything else. Checking the ceiling of the basement, there is also no hole leading up to the living room. Clarification officer. Why is this unusual? The rug is disappearing into nothing. We- Holy shit! Dispatch! Call for backup! fell to the floor. Repeat. It has disappeared. Officers in the area are on their way. Sit tight. And when the backup arrived, there was no sign of either of the officers. Since this incident, we have received many reports of similar circumstances. People disappearing never to be seen again. Strange doors that appear out of place that previously didn't exist. Walls that are slightly darker than their surroundings and cast no shadow. We've even had reports of people disappearing as they were walking down a hallway with no explanation. Eyewitnesses state that the colleagues didn't even have time to scream as they fell through the floor. We've designated the area in which they end up, the back rooms. I've been researching this phenomenon ever since this incident 20 years ago. I've only ever come into contact with one surviving victim, Dr. Michael Dawson. The horrors that Dr. Dawson had encountered had left him amnesiatic. As a way to shield his psyche from the reality that he had faced, he has undertaken a very wide variety of medical examination and therapy, and he has recently begun to recollect what has happened to him. Due to extreme PTSD, he is currently being housed at Redacted Medical Facility. FaceTime is very rare. He hasn't completely regained rationality, but who could after what he's gone through? Dr. Dawson claimed that whilst he was out jogging one day, he had simply fallen through the ground. He found himself lying on a moist, damp, yellow carpet. The stink was almost unbearable, like mold left unchecked in an unventilated room. The next thing he noticed was the noise. There was a distinct humbuzz of fluorescent lighting that was so loud that he feared that the bulbs could burst at any second. The noise was unrelenting and migraine-inducing, causing him to feel unwell. He managed to get to his feet and tried to find the hole in which he fell through, which there was none. He discovered that he was in a box room plastered with a monotone yellow wallpaper that was equally as disgusting as the floor. Dr. Dawson stated that the whole area felt like an office space, but there were no desks, no doors, no windows that he could see. It was an empty, abandoned area. He stated that it felt like somebody was always in the next room over, waiting for him and when he'd walk into that room, he'd be sure that they were in the next one over, urging him to wander deeper and deeper into the halls, heightening his anxiety whenever he realized that nobody was there, but maybe in the next room. 
He followed on by saying, God save you if you hear something wandering around nearby, because it sure as hell has heard you. He had no idea how long he'd been wandering for. Each hallway dressed up to look exactly the same. It could have been days or weeks. Time moves differently in the back rooms. The one thing that stood out mostly to him was that no matter how far that he had walked, no matter how many rooms looked exactly the same, he'd never found another person. Yet he constantly had the feeling that he was being watched and the anxiety of expecting someone around every corner made his heart pound. Each room was like a corridor, leading to another corridor, which sometimes led to expansive open areas. None of the decor was any different, they all had that horrid yellow wallpaper. The carpet was moist and would give off a red residue that Dawson tried not to get on his skin, and the humbers of fluorescent lighting was maddening. Eventually Dawson stumbled upon an elevator. It had its keycord painted on the walls like some taunting juvenile puzzle. He entered the code into the elevator and it clanged to life. He stepped out hesitantly onto the floor. The carpet was again damp and yellow. The walls were very much the same as previously. The distinct difference was that he could recognise straight away was that this floor was dimly lit compared to the previous, with the fluorescent bulbs still emitting the dull hum buzz, pulsating, growing bright and then fading away. On occasion, he said that he could hear them pop in the distance, then the hum would stop, giving a brief respite for his aching head, only for him to be enveloped in the deathly silence that sent shivers up his spine. Then the humbuzz would start all over again. I have interviewed Dr. Dawson only once, and whilst questioning him, attempting to gain information about the hounds, that's when his demeanour would revert to clear signs of trauma, for he was correct in stating that there were no people in the back rooms at that time. But he was definitely not alone. He found the hounds difficult to describe, he would make reference to a being that resembled a hybrid dog and a human. The origins of the entity were unclear, possibly a grotesque metamorphosis of this unknown environment. Or was the environment its home to begin with? Dawson stated that when he first saw a hound, albeit at a distance and dimly lit, he thought it was a person positioned on all fours. It has long black hair covering its face and a contorted human body doubled over in a sickly dog-like stance. Initially, he felt relieved that they could help. With slight confusion, he stood in place looking at his potential saviour. He noticed that it wasn't moving. It was staring right back at him. To Dawson's surprise, he heard a fluorescent tube explode to his left side, out of sight down another infinity yellow corridor. Startled, he turned his head. Then he heard the thudding of the footsteps in front of him. As soon as he broke eye contact, that's when the hound started making a beeline straight for him. Seeing the way that it moved and how his perception had made it seem like a lot smaller when it was further away, he knew that he was in serious trouble. The hound's long claws gripped into the sodden carpet as it sprinted directly at him. Its eclipsed white eyes wouldn't break contact as its black hair parted, uncovering an extremely large mouth with knife-like white teeth. Dawson can't remember exactly what happened next. He regained consciousness in a locker like you'd find in a gym. He stayed inside for what seemed like an eternity, his muscles seizing up and he had a searing pain in his right cheek which turned out to be a scram mark. He remained inside the locker until he had convinced himself that the creature had gone or that he was hallucinating. Slowly and quietly, he crept from his hiding place. Weirdly, the locker was the only thing that he had seen resembling something other than the damp yellow surroundings around him. Dawson wandered through the halls again for days or weeks, he was unsure. Eventually, a team of agents from Redacted Redacted, wearing a full hazmat suit, stumbled upon him. Dawson keeps saying that before they saw him, the agents were muttering about something called Project Gaia. I'm unsure as to what this is referencing, and if I return, I will look into this further. As for now, I am scheduled to join a team that's entering the back rooms for the first time in 20 years. I'll be able to experience it for myself. I won't lie to you, I'm afraid, but to discover something about this place would be incredible. I hope this document never reaches you. Stay safe. Redacted. A bit of a weird one, but uh, quite interesting one at the same time. It's uh, a bit of a bizarre one. Backrooms um, and a bit of, bit of 401 as well. I mean, that one is 
the first documented case of a um, an alleged haunting on an airplane that I've seen. Apparently, the, the there's a big backstory behind it. Four hundred one. Look into it, Gary. I think you'd enjoy that as well. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Sean's gone. Do you want to explain yeah. what that? <laughs> yeah, Sean. Um, Sean had fatherly duties to attend to, so he's uh, he's <laughs> he's. Uh, not going to be with us for, the, for the for the rest of the cast, unfortunately. Um, we've only got one uh, topic left, which is uh, the one that I brought to the table, which is the story of the Roofman. Now, I'll ask first: Are either of you familiar with the Roofman? Ever heard of the Roofman? I know the um, Day Man. It sounds like sort of like like a like a roofer sort of. Um, yeah, yeah, you'd think. Yeah, yeah. Can't try roofing. Roofing, scatterings, um, tile replacement, sort of checking over for the, as as the weather changes now, you might want to check the roofs and stuff, yeah. so your tiles are in place for the windy weather, um, <laughs> things like that, perhaps. Um, I'm glad you put out this PSA, Gak, I appreciate that. Less yeah. surge is the it's worth, it's worth It's worth checking as the seasons change, it's worth checking, um, obviously check your heating is working, everything's regulated, you might don't bleed your radiators, things like that. Um, obviously, th- the weather's going to get worse. Rain, wind, and stuff. Check the tiles and all that. Look, um, nothing's loose. Things like that. Guttering again can be a problem with heavy rainfalls. That could That's lead to one. overspilling. Things like that. It's worth it's worth checking all this stuff. Sealant um, and grout in. Transition into the next season now. It's definitely check it, worth check checking your se- sealant and grout in as well, because that's probably not covered under any insurance no, policy. No, that's another thing. Um, sealing, grout in, um, window seals, little things like that as well. It all adds up. Um, you know, make sure your home is as insulated as as you can you can get it. Maybe um, if you do suffer from damp mold condensation, you can invest in dehumidifier as well. Um, that's always good. Um, anyway, though, roof man, I've absolutely no idea. First ever heard of it. I've heard of day man. Um, I've haven't heard of roof man though. So that was great <laughs> ad- uh, life advice and house advice from Steve Cast, but it has nothing to do with this story whatsoever. Um, so I'll just get into this. Um, this is more of a, a Tom-style reading, so I'm just going to read through this. Um, I'll stop along the way, hopefully, and you can jump in with your thoughts. So, In May 2000, Jeffrey Allen Manchester would rob a McDonald's in Belmont, North Carolina. He waited on top of the roof and cut a hole to drop 10 to 15 foot into the restaurant, first thing in the morning, before it opened to the public, while the staff were getting ready to open. He was armed with a rifle, but wouldn't threaten any staff and was very calm, politely asking workers to stay on the ground or in the freezer while he emptied the safe, even encouraging them to grab their jackets to stay warm. This is but one account of Jeffrey's robbery since 1998. He had robbed various video stores and grocery stores throughout the US in over nine different states. However, his favourite targets were McDonald's chains. He worked out pretty much all of the restaurants across the country, work to the same shift patterns and opening closing hours, as well as having a similar layout so he was able to plan his robbery fairly quickly using the same method I mentioned earlier, with some exceptions being cut in holes in walls. You all had the same kind of floor pan and stuff like? Yeah, it was, uh, what's, what's the, what are they called? Uh, franchises. They're all, yeah. you know, so they all have the same floor plans and, and yeah, stuff like that. Most yeah. of them, not all of them, but, but he worked this out. <coughs> Excuse me. So... A little background on Jeffrey Allen Manchester shows that he lived a pretty normal life, graduating from Cordova High School in Rancho Cavorda, California in 1991, and going on to become a sergeant in the US Army Reserves and reportedly trained in a number of different areas. This include airborne training at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, air assault training at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and several courses involving operating of military vehicles, including becoming a watercraft operator at Fort Eustis in Virginia. He was married with two kids, but in 1998, the marriage had fallen apart and his wife had taken the kids, which left him all alone. It was at this time that he decided to put his training to other uses. So for two years, Jeffrey was known as the roofman or the rooftop robber. And all of his crimes were nearly identical, using the method mentioned earlier of cutting a hole in the roof, dropping down, locking employees in the freezer at gunpoint, but not by force, robbing the place and leaving. There was only one time where it was noted he pistol whipped someone and had a close call with the police on one occasion where he had to shoot the lock off one of the back doors to get out quickly. So what was the significance of the Belmont McDonald's? So he didn't lock the door, the door to the freezer properly 
and some of the staff managed to get out and alert the police. Another mistake he made was robbing another McDonald's only miles away hours earlier as they were closing. So there was a heavy police presence in the area knowing the two-year MO of the roofman. When he was caught by the police, he didn't resist arrest and instead praised them and said, you've done a really good job today. (laughs) (laughs) So this this guy sounds like a hell of a character, like, you know. So what was his his demeanour like? Are we saying he was physically very nice, sort of friendly? um... Yeah, very friendly guy, very nice. um, And he didn't want to hurt anyone when he robbed places. Like I said, there was only one occasion. The gun was loaded, though. Yeah, that's, that's what I picked her on. I mean, like, you went in there prepared, but last result. You would have had the intention of using it if he needed to. Was the problem there? Yeah, Seemed exactly. It. And I think I, I don't know for sure, but the pistol whip thing probably was someone who was, you know, trying to, you know, knock him down or, you know, att- you know, defend basically. <laughs> you know, you would imagine anyway. Um. So yeah, Manchester was sentenced to 45 years in prison on charges ranging from robbery with a dangerous weapon to kidnapping, possession of burglary tools and breaking and entering. But this is where the story gets interesting. So he spent the next four years at Brown Creek Correctional Institution, a medium security prison located in Anson County, North Carolina, where he was a model prisoner with zero infractions on his record, which ultimately earned him a position in the prison in the prison's metal shop. Um, while giving off this persona, uh, Jeffrey would be noting down his shift, uh, noting down shift patterns of the guards, um, coming and going of vehicles, positions of security cameras, and even other prisoners' day-to-day tasks. In the summer of 2004, he was ready to make his escape. The metal shop where he and other inmates worked uh, made various kitchen household items that were shipped out all over the country and would be collected by a truck which arrived on a set schedule each week. Jeffrey managed to obtain the measurements of the rails that ran ran along the underside of the truck and created a, a bed for himself from plywood which would sit on top of the rails and even painting it black and putting two pieces of cardboard either side of it to hide his head and his feet to prevent the guards from seeing him when checking under the truck with mirrors. Um, He also chose to carry this out on a rainy day, knowing the guards used to cut corners when it was wet. Um, And on on June the 15th, 2004, he became the first person in the prison's history to escape. Wow. I've, um, yeah, they're like hiding under the truck with the mirrors and all that. You see that in films and stuff, don't you? You know, it's crazy to think of someone doing it. But because he painted the underside and then he put cardboard sort of either side of the, you know, on his, by his feet and by his head, painted them the same colour. All he had to do was jump up onto it, pulled two pieces of cardboard up and it just looked like the underside of a lorry with a mirror on a rainy day. You know, dark, damp. Yeah. Guards didn't want to be out there long. They were just like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so, dear, yeah. dear. Did it say how long he, he was, had his spree for? How long he was... Because you well, said a two-year two MO, didn't you? So, yeah, it was from 1998 to 2000 was his uh, McDonald's uh, rooftop burglary <laughs> spree. It was two years he spent doing that. Yeah, he had a few close calls, but, yeah, he got caught in that Belmont one. That was the one that, that led to his arrest because he got McDonald's too greedy like, two in one night. McDonald's, What's that? Is, McDonald's just seems a very strange target. It's, it's because it's because of how easy it was and how because they were all franchised, they all had the same um, sort of schedule type ins. Um, the floor plan was the same. Uh, he knew how to get in and out quick in in different places and areas. Um, yeah, he was. It was just the easy option. He did rob a couple of they said video stores and grocery stores. Oh, but the main ones like it. It, it even um, prompted the. Uh, I think the CEO of McDonald's to to call him brand loyal when they couldn't catch him. It's like, well, at least he's brand loyal, <laughs> which is quite funny. <laughs> um, yeah. So after his escape from prison, Jeffrey decided to head forty mile, miles northwest to Charlotte, where he would set up his home inside Toys R Us. What? So, what? <laughs> Located in the Triangle Shopping Centre, 
Jeffrey would hide out in a small cubby hole behind the bike rack, which was conveniently up against one of the walls, which allowed him to tunnel more space for himself to remain out of sight. In the beginning, he only dared to, um, to come out at night to get food, which he would eat primarily baby food from the baby section in, in Toys R Us to get his source of uh, nutrition, you know, um, while also riding the bikes around the store for exercise. Uh <laughs> Like he did in prison, he cased the store and noted down all the employee shifts, camera locations, exit points, blind spots, and even set up baby monitors throughout the store to watch things. Like he's, he had his own security network. Um, wow. He even began changing shifts of the employees to better suit his plans. And as time went on, had enough, he had enough of eating baby food that he would regularly go to Red Lobster. Uh Rumours are that he would um, steal the video games from Toys R Us and then sell them to basically fund his, uh, yeah, well, to get money <laughs> effectively because he, he couldn't rob Toys R Us just yet because he needed more information. Um, so during this time, he also became involved with a church which was only a few hundred yards away from Toys R Us where he went by the name of John Zorin and soon became an active member of the congregation. He even started dating a woman named Lee who he had met at one of the church's singles events. He would hang out at her apartment to play video games with her kids, and she loved that he wanted to spend so much time with them. When asked why they never go to his place, he replied with, I have a government job that I can't tell anyone about, and I lived in a rented accommodation, which is small, plain, sterile. Um, but given his good nature and his personality, she didn't question it. Um, he continued to do various charity work for the church and donate a lot of toys around Christmas time. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder where you yeah. got it from. <laughs> what a character! Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, you, did you say he changed the shifts of the employees? Changed the shift plan. Suit his. Well, yeah. like he'd, he'd write in the schedule or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think it's like. The jobs they do as well, so it keeps them out of like the bike area at certain times and things oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. So he could, he knew what times he could, you know, potentially go. But he did have a camera network of baby monitors throughout the store, which is insane. Has, it, has uh, there not been like a, like a, a movie made of this or anything? No, like amazingly, no, not to my knowledge, anyway. But they there should be. Yeah. Um, trademark, trademark, trademark. <laughs> um, so. It was at this time that he wanted to make improvements to his living conditions at the store because it had become very busy around the Christmas period and he was worried about being detected. This was when he realised that he could tunnel into the abandoned Circuit City and uh, next door, the unit next door. So like door. an electronics shop, is it? Yeah, but it's abandoned. It's, it's, it's an old shop. No one's there. Okay. So he was able to tunnel into next door. So here he made a secret room under a stairwell that was described as a kid's paradise with games, consoles, DVD players, posters on the walls, basically everything stolen from Toys R Us. Um, he had set up more baby monitors and had piped in water from Toys R Us to have <laughs> yeah. uh, flowing water into there. Um, he was becoming increasingly aware that he couldn't stay there much longer as employees were, were becoming aware that things were going missing and police were being called to investigate. On the 26th of December... He decided to put his heist into action. Boxing However, day. yeah, Boxing Day, yeah. However, things didn't go to plan. Like the first time he got caught, uh, practically the same thing happened again, where an employee managed to get away, notify the police. This time, however, when the sheriff arrived, Jeffrey punched her in the face and stole her gun and ran through the store. He managed to get away through his trap doors that he created in the store, his little net, his uh, tunnel network, basically. Um, however, the police did find his tunnel in the end when he got away um, and they found a lot of stolen merchandise in doing so. Um, amazingly, the room he created in Circuit City wasn't discovered until a week later. Um, what they yeah. did, what they said they found amusing was that there was a lot of Spider-Man memorabilia around. <laughs> he seemed to really like Spider-Man. There was like Spider- there was Spider-Man 1 and 2 DVDs, uh, Spider-Man video games, and he even slept on Spider-Man bed sheets. Was <laughs> were, were, his, <laughs> were his choice of uh, yeah, there we go. So um but yeah, now his photo was distributed in the local area and many were shocked to find that their church-going neighbor John Zorin was in fact the roofman. Uh, police were, were able to identify his identity uh, from his fingerprints taken from the tunnels and the, and the room that he made. This led to the discovery of Lee, 
who agreed to aid the police in his capture by inviting him over for his 40th birthday celebrations. Jeffrey's thinking was to quickly see Lee one last time and then flee the state. However, he was apprehended on sight. Oh, fucking Lee. <laughs> what a knock. Um, although police were relieved to catch him, they couldn't help but compliment him. They said, he's a dirtbag, but we can learn a lot from him. And another <laughs> one said, like Gareth, this would make a great movie. Yeah, you totally know. would, yeah. Totally. Um, he now serves a 47-year sentence on charges including malicious use of explosives to damage property, burning an unoccupied building, breaking and entering, possession of a firearm by a felon, robbery with a dangerous weapon, and prison escape. Unlike his first time in prison, he has racked up a couple of infractions with two attempts at, at escape in prison, unsuccessfully, <laughs> obviously. Um, his projected release date is December the 4th, 2036. Yeah. And that is the story of the roof man. Yeah. I like that. He's uh, very tenacious. Who do you reckon? Yeah. Who do you reckon? Who do you reckon could uh, could play the roof man if a film was made of it? Who'd be a good roof man? Jake Gyllenhaal, Danny DeVito. You'd have to have someone with a, you want. You know, you want a lot <laughs> of charisma by the sounds of it, didn't you? Someone with a someone with a, a lot of uh, charisma, like big personality. Yeah, but it's yeah, very definitely. eccentric, off the rails, loose cannon, but a big personality, like. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to grab the the channel that? that I actually Jack found Black this Black Braps, is it? Jack Black. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, look at pictures of him. Like, I, I would have chucked up a couple of pictures in this um, while I was reading this out. But he's quite thin, quite oh, a thin okay. guy. Um, you need to be if you're going to be going through all the tunnels and, and stuff like that, you know, quite a lean, a lean character. Like, um, But, yeah, there's a, a channel called Crime Zone on... Uh, YouTube, which I I discovered this on, and they do a very good video on it. So that was the bulk of my um, investigation or notes were on from that channel. Well, what was um, his name, Rich? Um, his name was Jeffrey Manchester. What's his full name? Jeffrey. Jeff, were they J or G? J. Jeffrey Allen Manchester. Sorry, I can remember. Jeffrey Manchester. Yeah, Manchester is quite a unique surname. That is as well. Yeah. Um, I guess in America, don't that isn't there a lot of surnames with British town or city British names? British town surnames. Who's the I mean, fella that um, Bert, oh, what's his name? Dunham Punisher. Oh, uh, John, John Berthnall. He would actually yeah. make a. He would be a good one. Yeah, skinny, well, skinny, yeah. skinny him down a bit. Would be a good one. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. Definitely. I have a feeling though, because like they said, his his release date is twenty thirty six. So I reckon when he's released, someone's going to be like, we want to have a chat with you about what you did. <laughs> you, know, this, we, we this, wanna... this, you know, there's been no documentary, like as in like sort of, you know, no. televised or, or whatever documentary on this at all? Or I don't think so. There, there might be, but like yeah, um, I came across this video on YouTube, which in itself is a documentary, I guess. Um, and I just found it thoroughly interesting. And, uh, it's I, weird. I, it's weird how such like a, such a unique sort of um, crime that's got a little little something extra to it. It's not being picked up on like this. Yeah, I, I yeah, guess a lot of a lot of weird happens, doesn't it? And sometimes some of them get buried. But um, yeah, I, I I thought this is like as soon as I watched that video, I was like, this is the perfect Steakhouse story because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> these are the things that we love. So um, yeah, that's 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 the roof, man. Like it's. Uh, Hell of a character. Yeah, yeah. yeah I enjoyed that. It was, a, it was a good story, I was I can't, I can't believe I've never heard of it before. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm as I say, I just baffled I'm there's surprised. no... Um, I just baffled there's no sort of, like, um, popular documentary series on it or uh, films or anything like that, really. That, not that I know of, at least. like If there is... Um, yeah. Funny, funny you should yeah, mention that. There's no, there's a story that's back to Mr. Bolan again because you know, it was weird in that he does strange, dark, and mysterious stories. Uh, he done this story about this guy that used to like watch, uh, yeah, watch this house uh, throughout generations. He used to like send letters to the post owner, these families that moved this, claiming that don't damage the house. I'm watching the house, and there's a Netflix show about it recently called The Watcher. It's like true story. Oh. I haven't seen it yet, but apparently it's pretty good. 
I'll keep an eye out for that. The Watcher. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, uh, also uh, have a look at the Mr. Bolan one as well, because, uh, like I've said before, he's like the best storyteller I've fucking seen on the internet. Like. I'm surprised he hasn't done The Roof, man. Now, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, because I, I would have thought of everyone in the cast, uh, you, Tom, would have heard about this. I thought you may have heard about it, because it seems like something that... So, you know, sounds it, perfect, you know, yeah. You know, yeah. But, yeah, there we go. It's a hidden mm-hmm. gem. Yeah. That's the roof of man. Sorts. That's the roof man. That is the, the roof man. Um, yeah, surprised I've never heard of that myself. I'll be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that really concludes uh, the cast. That's that's everything that we've we've talked about. We can apologise on Sean's behalf for him having to drop off, but uh, you know, it is what it is. It's, that's that's life with uh, with a child, I guess. It's, comes family man, family way. Family man, family man. Um, yeah. But yeah, until next time we have yeah. been Steve cast and, hopefully we won't uh, leave it as long next time <laughs> yeah hopefully we won't leave it as long next time yeah check us a follow check us a subscribe if you like what you hear and we'll see you next time Ta-da. thanks for sticking around thank you bye